The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to another edition of our Spotify Live, our call-in show that we record live every Saturday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern, here on the Spotify Live app. We take your live calls as a like a radio show. Um, my name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the producer and Detroit Lions beat writer for prideofdetroit.com. Uh, you can find me at Detroit Online on Twitter. With me, as always, helping me answer all of these questions. We got two amazing co-hosts here. First, let's start with the, um, what do we want to call him this time? Let's just call him good pal of the show. No, let's call him the, uh, the, the I don't know, the free agent ex- extraordinaire for all of his work he did last week. Uh, managing editor of Friday Detroit, of course. At Eric Schlitt on Twitter. Eric Schlitt is here. How are we doing, buddy? <laughs> that was smooth. I mean, no, I nailed it, right? <laughs> I mean, that's how I want to be introduced every time from now on. <laughs> how are you, how are you doing? Are you, are you are you getting any closer to well rested? Well, I feel like the roster is getting close to filled out, so that's going to help with my rests. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, All right. Hopefully, that will. Hopefully, they'll hit a point where they decide to stop soon. <laughs> okay. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I'm going to keep this other intro much shorter because we have a lot of people that we want to get to. So he is the senior editor of Pride of Detroit. He is at Ryan underscore POD on Twitter. He's going to be uncheckmarked like the rest of us next week. Ryan Matthews is here. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the world that I lived in for the past past few years. <laughs> How happy are you right now? You know what? It, beyond happy, I'm just excited that we're back on Spotify Live. The birds are out. It's drizzling outside. Whatever. It, I, I feel like us taking a week off and with all the free agency news and notes that have happened, it feels good to be back. We have a lot to talk about. Yeah. Let's get in. We sure, we sure do. And of course, what other way would we start this show than to bring in uh, Spotify Live extraordinaire? Dan Pass is going to kick us off this week. Dan, Welcome. Hey guys, uh, can you hear me okay? Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I I just wanted to say it's been a freaky fortnight because I, I went back and listened to the last Spotify Live and we were sort of, you know, I hate to say this, but we just didn't expect them to do very much. You know, it was like, well, if they get somebody, maybe they'll get, you know, you know what I mean? And then completely, whatever you do, Jeremy, you've got to do it again next year. And uh, I've not I've not seen the White Lotus, <laughs> but now I, I'm, I'm imagining what goes on in, 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 in Southern Florida, whatever. You know. Dan, Dan, you shut your mouth right now. You, <laughs> that, you shut your mouth. 
<laughs> I'm Boy, sorry. Yeah, speaking yeah. of which, I, I, I really, I'm not going to spray everybody. So um, I'm sure people will come back with contracts. I, I'm going to talk about the, the MCU, and I'm going to talk about uh, uh, the Falcon and Winter Soldier, which became the Captain America and Winter Soldier. And I, Anthony Mackie said this one thing near the beginning of it. And he said, you're never on time for a meeting. You're either early or you're late. And I just, I kind of feel like this is a, a thing this year that we've got the two first round picks and we've got the two second round picks. And we've got 30 picks in between those pairs of picks. And, and normally that's normal, right? You get one in one round and 30, 32 picks later, another one. I, I'm sorry, I'm going to ramble a bit, I promise. But like, I might, the question I have uh, is that like, which one do you have to reach for? Do you think it's important to get at 18 because they just won't be there at 48 or which one are you willing to let slide? But this is the little small theory I had. And I just want to throw it to you guys and see what you thought, right? I feel, and it, it, it's totally up in the air for what we would do with it and et cetera, et cetera. So like, you know, it feels like Jalen Carter sort of coming around as a possibility and obviously could be there for us if we have that fourth fourth quarterback. But I, I did think that we were probably the perfect partner for Arizona if we wanted to go to three for um, Tony Rich. And the reason I throw that out there is just that, that they, they, I don't think they want to slip that far. Like, I think Chicago was fine to go to nine because they know they can get themselves a nice offensive tackle unless they just really are messing with them and just going to get another non-offensive tackle and say, you know, go to hell, Justin Fields. But sorry, stay focused. All right. So with 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 the Cardinals, I think they could go to six because then they would guarantee four quarterbacks and get either one of the uh, defensive line prospects. Obviously, losing JJ and stuff like that. I mean, maybe Will Anderson is the better one for them, but you know, I'm sure they would like Jalen Carter too. So, is that is that madness? Is that stupid? Is that clever? How much would it cost? What do you think? And um, you know, do you not know I mean because does that make you know? And I'll stop. Thanks. Yeah, uh, appreciate it, the the call, Dan. Um... I think trading up and, and grabbing a quarterback is, is suddenly starting to become a more feasible and acceptable option for line chance because of how active they were in free agency. But I'm, I'm, I want to, I want to test the waters with you guys because that that's an aggressive move, right? That is, and, and to do it with a, to get a quarterback is, is definitely a, a polarizing move. So I'm, I'm going to throw it to you first, Ryan, what are your thoughts first of all on, on doing something that bold in this draft? Yeah. I mean, does it have to be for a quarterback even? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I, I, I feel like if the Lions want to move up to three for whatever play they whatever player they want, if they have that kind of conviction for that player, um, it's warranted. And I think that you can you can reason, uh, you can rationalize that decision. And, and again, th- there's a lot of just trust in Brad Holmes right now. Right. So I, I think if they have enough conviction to move up for a player at three, um, they can go for it. They can they can swing. They can they can take their shot, they can pick their guy, and I think a lot of fans will will be behind them no matter what, right? Like I I even feel like the people who I even feel like the people out there who trust Jared Goff and you know enjoy him being the Lions' starting quarterback. If the Lions move up to three and take a quarterback, I, I feel like those people will come around on the idea just because of all of the faith and trust in this regime and. Uh, again, like I, I feel like there are points in this off season that I keep on hitting, like little little milestones of like, man, I, I didn't know that I didn't know that the football team I, I root for can make me feel that way. I, I oh man, I, I didn't know that they can do that. Wow, oh great, wow, this is all, you know what I mean. So I, I I feel like the best thing about this upcoming draft is that I, the possibilities are endless. Yeah, I think I think that's probably fair to say, and and it's kind of thrilling in that way um 
because I, I don't know what the Lions are going to do. But but let me let me throw it to you, Eric. What what are your thoughts on on draft? Let, let's start with just even something as simple as drafting a quarterback. And I think a lot of people now seeing how quarterback hungry the top of this draft is think that if they want to get the guy that they they probably prefer, they're going to have to go up and get him. Yeah, I think the 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 fact that they've done a lot of work filling holes on their team, you know, narrows the the scope of of where they could go with with pick number six or pick number three if they decided to trade up. Um, if a, if the right quarterback is there, and I, I do think it remains an option because of the fact that they just haven't addressed the position really outside of just bringing back what they had. So, same thing you you could is we just said about quarterback that we could say about defensive tackles, all they've really done is bring back this, the guys from the, the last year as well. They haven't really added to the position. So it rem- the, the defensive tackle remains a need, but is there a way to address that position later in the draft? Whereas at quarterback, you really can't. So it does leave a lot of options on the table for the lions. Um, if, if they are planning for the future, which you know, uh, then a quarterback is could easily be in the conversation, but it, it, I think it, the fact that you know we're not sure is is part of the game plan, right? Like that's part of keeping people's keeping the rest of the league speculating. Um, one of the things we saw with our uh, with the Eric, with the mock draft, yeah. Go ahead, Dan. I, I, I'm really sorry. I feel like I, I almost feel like I've let you down, and I, I didn't keep up with the check. But I think they, <laughs> I feel like I've let them down too. I mean, I, I still love Bijan, and I don't mean to say anything like that. But like, I, yep. I wanted to. I apologize to interrupt you because I just feel like we we have become. It's almost like we are sort of subtly. We're subtly all in. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not obvious all in, but subtle all in because we've got so many bridges right. across so many different positions. You know, and it's wonderful. And watching Shark, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm spreading questions. Sorry, but there's this idea like everything is is quite temporary. Do you know what I mean? And 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 as we spoke about that one time with the franchise tag, I mean you don't want to be in that situation. So, but I. I, yeah, I I don't know. I felt like I let you down by speaking about quarterbacks, but I mean, because obviously Devin Witherspoon is just still there at number six, and it would and it would be like, and it's still the most likely because I don't I just don't think the Cardinals want to go out of out of the top six. You know what I mean? I don't know who else is going to trade with them, but sorry about that. And mm-hmm. I want to let you know, you always cut yourself off. So when you mute yourself, just take a few seconds before you mute yourself. All right. <laughs> okay. Um. Okay. So. Um. I, I do agree with you, Dan, that I don't think the Cardinals are going to want to go back too far because when you have a chance to draft one of the elite players in the in the draft, and, and that's what you have with your two defenders, I do think that you try not to pass up that opportunity, right? And so for Arizona, I don't think they're going to want to trade out of that blue chip area if if unless the the return is you know overwhelming, right? For example, if you look at the trade charts, because you were talking about, you know, what, what what would it cost to trade up? According to the trade charts, it doesn't cost much for the Lions to move up uh, three spots. It's like on one trade chart that I have, it's like a third rounder on a, a third and a fifth on another one. It's like a, a it's like a fourth. Right. Like it's it's the trade charts say the cost is low. But for Arizona sitting in one of the blue chip areas, I don't think they're going to take something simple as like a day two and a day three pick. I think they, they would want significantly more. And I think that is going to be one of the things that eliminates the Lions from necessarily wanting to trade up is I, I, I don't know how much capital they're going to want to give up, give up to go get their guy. Now, 
then again, if the price is right, you never know with this regime because they are they they have positioned themselves to be able to make a move if they want to, right? So it does seem like they're kind of win now. It does seem like they've they've put a lot of eggs in in, in the basket of of 2023. Uh, but at the same time, I don't know if they necessarily need to do anything in this draft that enhances what they do in 2023. Like honestly, like they could every pick that they make this year could be with 2024 in mind, and so that could include a quarterback. That could include a corner. Because uh, a year from now you're going, you're only going to have two corners under contract, right? It could include a defensive tackle. I think their their options are so uh, available and, and extensive right now on on which way they can go. I don't think we can rule anything out, and that includes trading up, trading back, quarterback, defensive tackle. It's all I think it's all on the table at this point. Yeah, and I think you made a good point there about you know even if this team is in win now mode, which they certainly seem to be acting like they believe they can not just win the division, but compete for a title, which yes, feels very uncomfortable to say out loud. Um, But with championship teams like that, how much production do they get out of a rookie class? It's usually not that much, right? You're talking about teams that aren't very talented that get a ton. I mean, look at the jets last year. They have the offensive and offensive and defensive rookie of the year, but they weren't a title contending team and not say that those Players couldn't have played as well on a title contending team, but it's rare. Um, and you're picking six, you're picking 18th. You have guys that are that are going to contribute in the rookie seasons, but they're not going to necessarily be centerpieces or, or key pieces. I, I looked to the Eagles last year, right? Like they get Jordan Davis and they, I mean, he's essentially benched for like the first month or two of that season. And then he kind of comes along and, and I wouldn't say he was a key part to why the Eagles got as far as they did. So that being said, yeah, everything's on the table and, I hate to bring in, I hate keep bringing up the same points, but this is a perfect year to grab a quarterback. And I know that the the front office really, really likes Jared Goff, and and that's kind of why I think they aren't going to do it. But they're they've got the draft capital. They've got uh, a couple years with Jared Goff where they can develop this guy on the bench. And I don't know when they're going to have that opportunity again. I, I, everyone says, well, oh, you can always trade up like the the Chiefs did to get Patrick Mahomes. Um, that is not an easy thing to do. That is an exception to the rule. And that is something in a quarterback hungry league. That is just, it's very difficult. Okay. I can't stop anymore. Who are you? And where is Jeremy? Who are you? I I've been saying this the entire time. I I've been behind the idea of drafting a quarterback for a while. Um, I just don't know if the right guy is there. And I, I, I I kind of agree with you. If you want to get the, the guy, you might have to trade up to get him. And that's maybe where I put on the brakes and say, okay, they don't have to do anything this year, right? That's something the front office said too. It's like, we don't have to force it. If it's not there, if our guy isn't there, if we don't love, um, you know, the if, if, if we think Anthony Richardson is too risky or whatever, we don't have to do it. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of stuck between a, a rock and a hard place here because I, I do think this is a great year to draft a quarterback. I don't know if it's a great year, if, if they should get aggressive and, and trade up for him though. I, I don't. I don't think we should mind going a little bit long on this because this is a pretty important topic. Um, I, I want to say two things to what you just said, Jeremy. Um, one, I, yes, Jeremy has been this way, and Jeremy was even this way a little bit last year. Like I, I could sense him at least being like, "Hey, you know what? I mean, if the Lions want to put somebody behind Jared Goff that they can develop, they, they should do it." So, um, stamp of approval on that. 
Second thing, I think to your point earlier, Jeremy, about rookie classes and their impact on a team. I think what may have warped people's brains a little bit is the anomaly of last year and what all of the Lions rookies were able to do in year one, right? Like you have a class that has Aiden Hutchinson and Kirby Joseph and Malcolm Rodriguez and James Houston. Like, I I think maybe our brains have been warped a little bit to think, hey, draft guys that are going to make immediate contributions. I mean, this team has a a lot of holes that they filled in free agency and in the offseason that they definitely have afforded themselves the opportunity to, to do what, you know, Eric, Eric has talked about a lot, like maintain flexibility. And I, I'm just saying that if they, if they, if they kick the quarterback can down the road, another year, you might have to trade more resources. You, you, I, you won't be picking as high as sick ne- next year in the first round, you know? And I don't know if this regime ever wants to be in the position where they are like, you know, less need was and, you know, F them picks mode. So that's, that's just kind of, kind of where I'm at with, with the draft right now is that I think the lions want to maintain that flexibility, but they have a lot of it in the here and now. I I think the model that the lions are trying to replicate is a draft model similar to the, what the Ravens have, because I think that's really the blueprint for how to, maintain a roster over several years right the ravens they they just they a lot of times they just sit back and they just let players fall to them and other times they get aggressive in going up and trying to get a guy that they want right like last year they ended up with kyle hamilton tyler lindenbaum and david uh ajabe right those are three. Those were their first three picks. Like arguably the top safety in the class, arguably the top center in the class, and arguably one of the top uh, would have been what would have been a first round pass rusher if he didn't hurt tear his ACL. Right? Like that's and they had, they had eleven picks last year. Right? And of their eleven picks, ten of them are still on the roster, and I think four or five of them are in starting roles again. Like this is the the Ravens are really the model of where you get your franchise to a spot where you have enough stability that you can then just let the draft kind of fall to you, add the guys that that are the best there. And then you end up with these guys contributing in the, in the one or two deep rotation. Yeah. Most of them make the roster. And then the next year you just, you just do it again. And so if if that's where they end up, if this is where the Lions move towards, then this is this is how you maintain a franchise uh, stability for you know decades. All right, we'll uh, we'll end the conversation there. Twenty is minutes it, in, <laughs> I, just, I just want to say sorry to everybody else. I didn't mean it, and it's one of those things where um, uh, it's kind of like you know when you're doing a shower. And you just, you know, you're kind of just turning the hot and it's suddenly really, really hot, really, really cold. And it's like, I had to get my question in and you've got like 12 people in line. It's it's happening, Jeremy. Like you have to just get it in the first few seconds. Here's, here's my son, Max. Say hi. Hi. Oh, you can't hear him. Sorry. <laughs> Bye. Thank you, guys. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. Um, all right. Uh, let's, uh, let's move on to our next caller here. We've got John on the line. John S. Welcome to the show, John. Morning, guys. How you Not doing? Too bad. Um, just want to thank Dan for uh, kind of leading things off because my question sort of follows in the same thing. Um, talking about quarterbacks, not sure. uh, Bryce Young or not Stroud. Um, assuming those two are gone, we've got Richardson, Levis, and Hooker that we're looking at. 
I've kind of been following a lot more of the intangibles, the leadership, the how they do in interviews and things like that. And I guess I sort of want your feedback on um, looking at more, like they all have pretty strong arms. They all can, and they all can basically run um, the different things on a level of accuracy and things. But looking at those three, their leadership intangibles, who do you, who would you like and where would you like that to happen? Like if you wait for hooker, can you wait to the second round or you pick them in the first round? Um, because you get the fifth year, or do you, but you really want to take them at 18. Those are the kind of scenarios I've been kind of bouncing around a lot in my head, which is, like I say, just ricocheting everywhere right now. So I just kind of wanted some of your feedback on how you look at those three quarterbacks, where you put them, and when you want to take, make the move for them sort of thing. As Eric was saying, just waiting, let's see what happens to it, where, where things fall, but um, where do we kind of flip the switch? Yeah, let's. I, I want to kind of start here with Hendon Hooker because I feel like he's taken a, a big rise, especially locally here. A couple, a couple. I know Brett Whitefield and I think Risden um, both had the lines taking him either at eighteen, and uh, I think uh, I think Whitefield jumped up from the second round to to get a third round, a third first round pick to to take Hendon Hooker. So I'm curious. I'll throw it to you first, Eric. Uh, I, obviously, there's there's questions about his injury. There's questions about his age. Um, but is that maybe still may, – maybe is he being undervalued because of those things and, you know, the upside is, is worth it there maybe at 18? I, I cannot get on board with him in the first round. I, I want to, but I, I can't because there's multiple factors that come into play for me. And and I think the other person who, dra- who projected him to go in the first round was Daniel Jeremiah, who had him going late in the first round as well. Uh, but and I know that there's a lot of hype around him right now, but there's I I've basically there's three things that our hooker has to work against. Uh, one of the first is his he's old, right? He's 25 years old. He's already 25. Like that's Josh Allen's age. You know, I think he's, he might actually be older than Josh Allen if I heard something like that. Like it's 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 crazy how how far along he is um, age wise now if you're talking about a franchise quarterback, maybe that doesn't matter because he's going to he could, he can still play a decade. And so you're not worried too much about the age, but there's also the ACL. And now again, if you're not drafting for the future and you can get over the fact that he's got an ACL issue, then, you know, maybe you can, maybe you can get past that because, you know, he's going to lose a lot of, he's going to lose a lot of training camp time. He's going to lose a lot of, you know, of that experience that you would typically get as a first year guy. So you're not, you may not actually get notable contributions from him until he's 26 years old. So the third thing with, with hooker for me is that the system he goes, he he's coming from is very quarterback friendly. Okay. It's designed basically as like a, a one read throw system where they, they stack receivers or they, they, they design their receivers with this elite speed, but they put them in situations where they're not going to get jammed and they get these free releases all the time, which allows them to get open. And then hooker to his credit has very good accuracy and understands the system and where the players need to be. And he gets the ball where, where it needs to go. But that system that he thrived in at Tennessee is not going to work in the NFL. And, and and so he's going to have to learn how to anticipate windows, to to understand that 
that his receivers aren't always going to get free releases. And so there's a, there's a big learning curve that comes along with him as well, which again, for me, it's, it's overcomable and you can like, you can get past that if that was the only thing, but the fact that he's already 25 dealing with an injury that may keep him out of, of, of training and then also has a, a learning curve with the new system. Like those three things tell me he's not, in my opinion, he's not a day one quarterback. And so can he run? Absolutely. Does he have prototype size? Yes. Does he have good accuracy? For sure. But we don't know how his processing skills are going to work in a, in a NFL type system because we haven't seen it. And so for me, that's, that's too much for me to take him necessarily at 18. Now, Again, if he ends up on the Lions, he's a good player and he has potential, but it's just too rich for me uh, to take him in the first round, even though I know that's becoming a very trendy thing to do. Uh, Ryan, do you have any thoughts either on Hendon Hooker or, or maybe I, I kind of I also want to talk a little bit about Will Levis because it feels like he is now like way behind the like the top three are now. For for whatever reason, um, it seems like it has been set that Stroud, uh, Bryce Young, and, and Anthony Richardson are the top three, and Levis is a distant fourth. Um, maybe not so distant, but um, do you have any thoughts on on those two guys? Yeah, I, I think the where the discourse is at right now with quarterbacks is that it, it's a there's a big um, there's a big premium on accuracy, right? Like I, I think people are people are enamored with Bryce Young's accuracy and CJ Stroud's accuracy. And then the accuracy concerns with Richardson and with Levis, right. Are, Hey, can we, can we turn this ball of clay into an NFL quarterback? Right. Like it's, it's again, like, I don't want to talk too much about like the, you know, maybe like the Josh Allen comparisons, right. Because Josh Allen is a one of one in a million lotto ticket um, with the way that he developed and, and was able to, you know, work on his uh, accuracy issues coming out of Wyoming. A, a lot of people talk about, you know, their, their feet. They, they talk a lot about their feet and fixing their mechanical issues with their lower body to improve their accuracy with, with Richardson and with Levis. And I think with the combine that Richardson had, that's why you see him shoot up and Will Levis kind of gets left, you know, with no dance partner right now. Um, I know, you know, his pro day made some big throws against air, I feel like it's really unfair that people are comparing that to Zach Wilson because Zach Wilson and Will Levis are not, they're not the same quarterback at all. Um, and I, the, the Levis conversation is, is, is interesting to me. Um, Hendon Hooker is not a first round quarterback to me. Um, you know, Eric, Eric laid all that out, um, you know, pretty much exactly how I see it. So, yeah, I, I, I think, if, if you're the Lions, right, you, you assume that Young and Stroud are off the board. Um, so if if it is a matter of moving up to three for their guy, I don't know. I, 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 there's an interesting discussion to be had about which guy do you believe in more, um, you know, Richardson or, or Levis, just because there is so much projection with them. But there's even more projection with Hendon Hooker, as Eric said. So I think that's kind of where I'm at with the uh, with the quarterback situation. Yeah, the, the only thing I want to add, um, and it's not really about any of these guys, it's more about what the Lions have done, is uh, the whole backup quarterback situation, right? Um, I think some people are somewhat understandably freaking out about it because the, the Lions re-signed Nate Sudfeld on Friday, and we, we, we almost got a promise from Brad Holmes that he was going to take the backup quarterback job a little bit more seriously this year, and they go out and just re-sign the guy than they have. 
But I would say this signif- – this sig- I mean, I think we all kind of were under the impression that the Lions are going to take a quarterback sometime. I don't think this changes that at all. I don't think it means they're going to take one in the first round. Now. I don't think it means they're, they're not going to take one at all. I, I think – I think they were always going to take one. It was just always a question of when, and I don't think this shows their hand either way because I don't think they, they're coming into the season now expecting Nate Sudfield to be QB2, expecting him to be QB3. I mean, he might even be QB4 by the time this whole thing is over. Uh, I, I do think they're still going to be active in the free agent market. I do still think they're going to add a guy that they hope can be a backup um, and and maybe, maybe eventually the starter. Um, but I don't know. It, that's the last thing I guess I want to ask you guys because I know there's been some people freaking out and, feels like every year people freak out about the backup quarterback situation. So what, what's your guys' reaction to, to Nate Sudfeld resigning and, and how that impacts the draft? It, it, I mean, it's underwhelming, right? Like you would hope that they would put somebody in place who was better than Nate Sudfeld just based on the rest of their moves, right? So far in free agency, because it seems like they're a team that expects to win in 2023. So if, you know, I don't, for whatever reason, if, if Jared Goff isn't on the football field, Nate Sudfield doesn't do much to elicit any any confidence in you know the the quarterback position. So I, I'm with you, Jeremy. I think I think they they undoubtedly will draft a guy, and there will undoubtedly be a camp battle for for quarterback too. I, I feel like if they go back and if they go into this season um, with Nate Sudfeld, then I don't know the baseball analogy to sliding into home plate that we can use, but like it, like a, you're caught in a pickle. How about that? You're caught in a pickle between second and third. If you, if you draft oh, yeah. or, you know, if you go through the draft without taking him. Any different thoughts, Eric, before we go to break here? I have zero concern over Nate Sudfeld. Zero. <laughs> like it, it doesn't bother me in the least. Um, there is nothing. I don't expect his contract to be have any guarantees and I don't expect him to have a locked up roster spot. He may like, yeah, like Ryan said, he may end up being the fourth quarterback on this team by the, by the time they get done with the off season, they can still add another veteran quarterback if they want to potentially after the draft, they can still draft the guy. They can still grab an under like it. This bothers me zero. Like I, it's a non-move that I think people are getting. People, I think, have, there's so many positive things happening that I think people are, are have been looking for something to, like, get anxious about. And then it happens to become a probably zero guaranteed backup quarterback, which is, I think, just par for the course. So that's what that's what happens, Eric, when you whip yourself into a frenzy about all the cap space the Lions <laughs> have. What are they going to do with it, Eric? What are they going to do with it? Yeah, I don't know. Pay the oh, oh, they, oh they, they, they signed Nate Sudfeld. That's underwhelming. Watch, watch it be a $15 million contract now. Oh! <laughs> just, all right. With that, let's, uh, let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, hopefully less quarterback talk, because I know there's this portion of our fan base that hates when we talk so much about quarterbacks. Uh, but we're going to answer whatever questions come our way, because that's the beauty of this thing. Uh, when we come back on our Spotify Live Q&A show. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. 
Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back here on Spotify Live, answering all of your Lions questions every Saturday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern here on the Spotify Live app. Just make sure you're following at Pride of Detroit and join us. Uh, you can be part of the show, just like Michael B. is about to be. Michael, welcome to the show, man. Hey, how you doing, guys? Great. How are you? Awesome. I'm just loving this. Um, you have to realize, I love Brad Holmes as a man. He knows how to play poker. Let me just tell you, because right now... He has everyone talking about what is the Lions going to do? Nobody has a clue. I mean, he could go moving up. He could move back. Is he taking a quarterback? Is he taking best blue chip? Everyone's so confused. So I really like the first series. Uh, The guys at work, see, I work on Marine Corps base because, of course, I retired as a Marine. So they call me Boomer because I'll be sick next year. (laughs) But here's – so it's funny because when you – on a military base – you got guys from all over the country. So they're saying, and when they're coming up to me and saying, man, lines are looking really good. Lines are really looking good. I wish everyone back in Michigan, where I'm from, would just take a breather and say, let's see what Brad's going to do. Everyone's freaking out about what's he going to do with his money? Not our money, his money. What's he going to do with the players that he's picking? You know what? Just like when people are going, Nate Sudfeld, he lied to me. He lied to me. No, 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 no. You know what? He could move up to three, but he's waiting to find out who's going one and two. Is he going to take, is he going to try to move up? Nobody knows. So it's just awesome just hearing everything because I heard the other day they're saying, hey, Lions are looking really good. They could go with this roster right now and compete. A lot of times people forget just because the Lions were last in defense, a lot of categories, they forget that we started off last year with five guys on uh, pup or injured, and we only had three starters from 2021 to 2022. Charles Harris, uh, Tracy, who got hurt, Charles Harris got hurt, and we had our Anzalone, right? The rest of them were just villains. And now we're just, then the later of the year, we start getting these guys like, oh, wow. So I'm just so excited. And if everyone just take a breather, I'm kind of with Eric saying, I want these other teams to think that we're moving up or they don't know what we're going to pick. So we have to trade with them. I want the Lions to trade out of six. I because, You know what? When you start picking players that are in a certain slot, like if we're picking number two, like Hutchison, he did a $21 million signing bonus that hurts the cap. So if you move up to three, 
you're going to put more cap strain on you. So I don't care. We can move out of six, get some more picks, and maybe just let golf see what he's doing, and we have more ammo for next year. I know that everyone keeps on saying about what happens with enough ammo for getting a player this year. Well, if the first two are gone, quarterback-wise, well, now you're going to reach for a three or four or five, or you're going to take a flyer on Carter, which who was a Detroit News reporter that said he doesn't think he's a Dan Campbell guy because he doesn't eat, breathe, sleep football only when he wants to. So I don't know. So my biggest thing is, sorry about that rambling. I learned that from uh, Dan Pass. And, uh, <laughs> it's contagious. I want I want to move back, and actually I want them to take an offensive lineman just so they can prepare for um, what's going to happen with Jonah or Vitae or Glasgow and say, hey, let's take – I don't even care if we go for uh, Northwestern's um, – I can't pronounce his name. What's his name? Skaronsky, yes. Yeah. I don't care if they go with him or even if later if they even take uh, Darnell Wright and Darnell Washington as a tight end. So <laughs> I'll pause. I'll put on mute let you guys go. All right. Uh, I, I'm excited that you brought up bringing up an offensive line because I know there is a certain someone on this podcast uh, who uh, was surprised that the fact that uh, Skaronsky was mocked to the Lions by by two local guys and certainly has some thoughts about it. So uh, I'm not even going to spoil who that is. Uh, speaker, can you can you make yourself be known? <laughs> yeah, um, I wrote a I wrote a big piece uh, on that this morning uh, in, in my roundup. I. <laughs> I started writing a uh, the write up the roundup as normal, and then I was like, "Oh, let's just do a feature on Skonrowski uh, because he, you know, the he was you know mocked by a couple local guys." And so, and then it was like a thousand words into it just on that section. I was like, "Oh, Jeremy's going to be mad about this one," but um, yeah, yeah, look, I think when you look at positional value, there's 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 a there's a a history that says he's not worth taking at six because of the fact that most of the top interior linemen go off the board at around like 13, pick 13, pick, pick 14, maybe even pick 20, like where Frank Ragnow went, but you can also get a lot of uh, starters, even pro bowl level starters on, you know, in, in day two, like for example, you got Jonah Jackson uh, in, in round three, right? Graham Glasgow, you got in round three. So, I think it's one of these, when you talk about positional value, it's one of these players or it's one of these positions where if, if you're going to draft him and you're assuredly going to use him in, inside, like you are hoping that you're going to be getting a level of player that equals, you know, the level of player taken at that spot in the past. And there's really only been two guards that have gone off the board at six in recent in recent history, like in the last decade. Um, one of them is um, longtime uh, Washington right guard. Um, why am I blanking on his name? I know one of you guys has it for me. Um, Sheriff, Brandon Sheriff. Um, he went at pick six and he was, he's been, he was a staple for a long time, got franchise tagged a couple of times. Right. Um, and, and then the other one is, is the indie guard. Quinn Nelson. Right? And 
Thank you. Thank you for uh, uh, keeping me from stumbling over myself again. Yeah, Quentin Nelson. And so you have to look at, at Skarnowski and say, is he Quentin Nelson? And, and in my opinion, he's not. And that, that's nothing against uh, nothing against him because he Skarnowski is a technician, right? He's a he's a very legitimate player. He's deserving of going in the top 10 if you're going to play him probably at tackle where the positional value is a little bit better. But he's not this dominating player like Nelson was or like Sheriff was, right? Like he's just he's a very good player. Look, he was good enough that they kept um Ryan's uh offensive tackle from a couple of years back on on the right side um at, at Northwestern. Oh my gosh, I'm Stalling with Sean Slater, you got Thank it, you. buddy. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, like Slater played on the right side uh, uh, on the right side because uh, Skarnowski was good enough to keep him there, right? Like, but there's a he's Skarnowski projects as an in- inside guy because of arm length. He 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 looks like a guy who could who some teams might consider taking outside, some teams might consider keeping him inside. But for me, the Lions are assuredly we're going to push him inside. And if he's not a Quentin Nelson type guy, then he's not worth taking at six, in my opinion. He won't be there at 18, so you're not going to get him. But I'm with with Michael, where I I think it's a need, but I think you have to you can find the right value at the right spot. Now, if you could trade down, could you get him? Would he make it past the Bears at pick nine? Like I don't know. So I I like the idea of taking an offensive lineman. I don't like the idea of necessarily taking one at six because I don't think there is a elite level. I don't think he's an elite level player in a way that like Quentin Nelson was that could justify a top ten. I, the, the the discourse around the lines offensive line is is interesting to me um, because on some level like I get it like this offensive line is about to be very costly um, we saw some of the guard deals that that were given out in free agency Jonah Jackson is is due very soon um, and and Panay Sewell and Taylor Decker are not that far behind so and, and I'll throw this to you Ryan because I feel like some of the justification of a Skaronsky pick is that he not only fills a short term uh, cheap option for you at guard, but then once, and I feel like we talk about this every year, every offseason, once Taylor Decker is off the the roster, then you can either put Panay at the left and Skaronsky at the right or Skaronsky at the left and, and, and you're set. And now you're, you're reset. You're, you're cheaper at, at every position. Um, is that, is that too much like Madden playing a little bit where you're just like moving everyone around and in theory, it sounds smart, but in practice, it, it might not be that easy. I think there's a little bit of that to it. I think that there's that element. Um, you know, I, I, I agree with Eric that taking an offensive lineman at six seems a little bit too rich, um, especially considering the needs that they still have long-term, right, at cornerback. Um, you know, the immediate need that they have right now at, at defensive tackle. Um, if you start talking about, hey, offensive line at six when, you know, Generally speaking, when we're talking about filling the the needs of interior offensive line, we're talking about like second round. We're talking about third round for guards, right? And you know that's that's where Jonah got picked up. Uh, Graham was a was a you know day two pick. So there there's there's something to it that I think the Lions right now at six and eighteen, they're almost kind of in this no man's land for taking an offensive lineman because six is six is too high. Um, by 18, you know, Skronsky's off the board, 
uh, Paris from Ohio State off the board. Like, you're not going to get one of the top tackles of the class at 18. And, well, if you're going to go, you know, guard, are you going to go Osiris Torrance? Are you going to go, I mean, Steve Avila is, is uh, those guys I think are too rich at 18. So it, I, I think the Lions would have to do some maneuvering or just wait and, and be patient and take their guy maybe in, in round two. Um, you know, cause they have a couple of swings there or, um, you know, maybe, maybe they target a guy and, 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 and they have the flexibility to maybe maneuver. I just think that with, here's the thing I agree with Michael, like moving back seems like a, a very tenable thing and, and an interesting conversation um, at six. I don't know if it's so much because of the cap relief. It would, it would give the lions because the lions have plenty of cap. They're doing just fine. Um, so in the, in the here and now, but, I, I, I find the offensive line uh, discourse, like you said, Jeremy, I find it to be interesting just because okay, we keep on having this conversation about, all right, let's make contingency plans for a Taylor Decker. And it's like, well, let's, they have one. It's Pinay Sewell. Like that's the plan. And he shouldn't be in anything other than Honolulu blue for his entire career. So the, the Lions can get right tackle figured out when they need to. And it, it just doesn't seem like a, a need where it's like, Hey, we can get a guy right now and stash him and do, I feel like the conversation is a little bit different though. If, if they don't renegotiate Vitae's deal for the here and now, and I know that Graham is a one-year deal and I know Vitae, his, his tenure with the Lions is most likely going to be over after the season. I, I feel like they can, they can take care of it next year. Um, if they, or, or in, I mean, that, in later rounds, in later rounds, I'll say. Uh, but the, it, it's an interesting point to bring up because you are still paying Vitae, what, five, six million, and you're not going to get rid of him. Um, he costs more to be off the roster than on the roster, and you're paying, uh, what is it? I think it's a total cap hit of about four or four and a half million for Graham, and now you're just going to suddenly throw a rookie into that spot, and it's like, okay, well, now you're spending six to seven to eight million on backups at guard, and it's not, you know, having depth on the offensive line isn't a problem. But we, hey, yeah. real fast, can I interrupt you? Yeah, Graham sure. Glasgow's numbers just came out. Two point one yeah. eight cap hit in in this season, this year. Yep, but they added a void year, right? and they have a void year of one point four seven. Yep, just okay. There you go. What? Oh, <laughs> quick question. Uh, so, like I said, when they move back, but he would also be a lot better than Matt Nelson as your OT three, or he could be your guard uh, center guy. Yeah, but but Vitae could be their OT three. Well, yeah, they'd have a lot of options, which is never never a bad thing, right? Let let let, let me just can I spin this one other way because Michael brought up another guy that I that I like, and and I think if we're debating, he he brought up Darnell Wright, and I think Darnell Wright out of ten, the Tennessee right tackle who I think can play right guard, I think is a fascinating player that is being underrated right now, and he is a guy who's not projected to go in the first round, but I am comfortable with taking him at 18. I think he's that good of a player. And and if it, if I'm taking an offensive lineman in the first, I would rather have right at 18 than Skornarowski at six. You, All right. You heard it from Eric. He just wants to turn this into the Detroit Volunteers. <laughs> so we're headed in that direction. Uh, all right, Michael. Look, look, hey, thanks. If, if don't we're, we're going to do quarterback sneak with. Oh man, I'm in. <laughs> let me let me tell you just one thing. Just to to put a, a, a pin on this, if we're talking about sure. offensive line value and distributing money, 
the total value of the contract at pick six is about 30 million in total at 18. It's half of that at 15. So if you're talking about wanting to lower the cost that you're putting into the offensive line, getting a guy at 18 also costs you half as much. And so if you're talking, if you're concerned about. There you go. That's good info. All right. Thanks, Michael. Uh, Let's go to Mathis. Mathis, welcome to the show. Hey guys, how you doing? Good. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. So, um, one thing I, I, I want to ask is, um, you know, I the the cornerback group, right? As, as we as as it stands right now, we could honestly extend it to the whole defensive back group. That was probably our weakest unit on defense last year. Um, so I want. I want to ask you guys. Um, so for the, for the right now, it looks much better, and honestly, way better than I could have expected. But um, what do you think um, is the plan for the next few years? How to build stability, some some at least some sort of stability in that group because we haven't had stability since. <laughs> Slight. So um, how do we? How do you guys think we? How do you think um, Brad Holmes has addressed that? And what do you think he's going to do for the future? In addressing that, yeah, uh, great question because I think there's been a, a kind of external debate here about whether cornerback is still a, a need, and I I'm still of the belief they're going to add a young cornerback in the first four picks. I really do um, because all these most of these guys, Manuel Mosley and and CJ Gardner Johnson, are only signed to one year deals. You don't know how Mosley is going to work out with the ACL tear, and you don't know if you're going to be able to bring back CJ Gardner Johnson next year because if he balls out, he's going to be looking for money and. I mean, you saw what happened with the, the Saints and, and the Eagles. Like, the Saints traded him. The Eagles weren't be. I'm sure most Eagles fans thought they were going to bring him back. They couldn't. He's, he's a tough negotiator, and that's fine. I don't, I don't fault him for that. And so I don't think there's any guarantee that either of those guys are on the roster next year. But the one thing that they, they're in a really good position to do in terms of adding a young corner is that they finally have a smart veteran in the room um, with Cameron Sutton. And I think I mentioned this on our, our, on our Cam Sutton podcast. Um, they didn't afford that for a guy like Jeff Okuda. Jeff Okuda never really had that veteran corner presence in the room. And people can say like Aaron Glenn can be that guy, but Aaron Glenn isn't with him 24 seven, like teammates are. And so I think the Lions are in a perfect spot right now to take a cornerback high. And that's what I think they're going to do. Now someone come at me. Who's got a different thought, Ryan? Okay. Yeah. So here, here's the thing. I think what, Beyond the fact that, yeah, I, I agree with you, Jeremy. Let's start there. The Lions, undoubtedly, I think within the first two days, are going to look at adding a cornerback because of what you just said. Okay. Um, however, I love the fact that they have their foot in the door with a couple of guys that could earn themselves big deals. And who's to say Brad Holmes won't reward those guys? He rewarded Romeo Aquara, right? He rewarded, I mean, it's not to the same extent, but rewarded Alex Anzalone rewarded uh, Charles Harris. Um, I, I think that if Emmanuel Mosley has a great season, you, you, you just don't normally let outside corners walk, especially if they play as well as he, he has played in um, his time in San Francisco. I love the fact that he does again, have his foot in the door. So like that guy is on the roster. He has a chance to, live and breathe and be a part of the lion's culture and their organization. 
and that will have an impact on negotiations. We've seen that this offseason. We've seen that with, you know, Kaminsky. Uh, you know, Graham, I mean, Graham was <laughs> Graham was part of a regime that was rotating him at guard, a starting level guard. And he's willing to just wipe that away and come back. You know, I I I think I think the great thing about where the Lions are, especially with the cornerback position, is they have some guys here who if they do work out, they can extend. But they don't have to, right? They they can go out and they can get a corner at six. And I think that they're they're perfectly validated doing that. And I, I I'm still I, I still like the the prospect of Witherspoon. Um I I'm cool with Gonzalez, like whoever their guy is, I, I think I'm still cool with a cornerback at six. So interested to hear, you know, Eric's perspective on this. Yeah, I think you guys covered it. Um, th- I think the stability is going to come potentially from the draft, and it's also going to come from some meritocracy on who earned a second contract. And I think Gardner Johnson and, and Mosley are both in that, in that range. And then you have guys like Jerry Jacobs, who's going to be a uh, restricted free agent next year. And then Jeff Okuda, who may or may not seems like will not get his fifth option picked up. So, you know, the, they'll have a, they're, they're going to give guys a chance to earn another contract. And like Ryan said, you get first crack at those guys during negotiations. And then I, I think taking a, a young defensive back as well in the draft also helps with some stability. So I think that's really what it comes down to is assessing what you have and, and building through the draft and trying to get some stability by developing guys. Cause if you look at Mosley and you look at Sutton, those were guys that weren't like day one starters. Those were guys that came in, got drafted, developed, and then they eventually became starters. And I think if you can do that with some other cornerbacks, that's how you get stability for the future. You draft, you do, you, you sit them and let them learn behind some veteran guys, you develop them and then you, and then your stability. That's a really good point. And I think, I think we get caught up maybe in, in the counter examples of that, the guys that can come in and ball in right away. Um, and, and listen, that's, that's possible with some of these guys in this draft. Maybe they, they are day one starters, but I think the lions would be in a better spot to kind of develop those guys and bring them along slowly. And maybe that does mean waiting until day two to draft a cornerback. And I'm not going to be necessarily against that. Um, if, if I'm not mistaken, I think Cameron Sutton was a third round pick. Um, so it, it can work out. It, it does work out. Darius Lee was a second round pick. Um, Sutton was there. You go. Nice. Nailed it. Um, so yeah, it, it, I just, I do think it still should be a priority this year um, just because of that, because they're, they're in a position now where they – it's almost the same conversation we're having at quarterback, right? It's like they're in a good position now this year, but down the line they're going to need some help. Why not get a guy in here that can learn behind, you know, someone with the tenacity as someone like C.J. Gardner-Johnson, but someone also with the smarts like Cameron Sutton. I think it's a it's perfect environment to, to really draft a young cornerback and develop them. Jeremy, how dare you disparage the good name of Desmond Trufant? Don't say that Jeff Okuda didn't play with a veteran cornerback. How dare you? Those two overlapped? That feels, Twenty baby. That feels like decades ago that Desmond Trufant was on the team. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I had to double check, but uh, I'm <laughs> obviously what, saying that in jest. <laughs> those, those three years just felt like a decade. Each one was like a decade. It, it's, it, it's, it's, it's good to <laughs> Yeah, so thanks for digging that up. Appreciate you- that. <laughs> and thanks, Mathis. Appreciate the call. No problem, guys. See ya. See ya, bud. All right, let's uh let's bring on Travis. 
Travis, how are we I'm doing? I'm doing good. Can you hear me now? Yep, you're good to go. Alrighty. Uh, good talking with you guys. Thanks for bringing me on. Um, so I had a question for you guys. It kind of could deal with the quarterback situation um, or could not too. So a, a trade possibility I actually thought of this morning because with DJ Shark leaving, signing with the Panthers, um, I thought about with the X spot going on, what would be the situation to go Um they could keep who they have and just roll with it. But I was looking at if they were going in all in on this year, they could try to trade with Arizona, whether it be a combination trade up to that three spot, if they're going to get their quarterback too. But what if they try to get DeAndre Hopkins for that spot? Would that be too much overloaded for that wide receiver room? Or would that possibly work out for exactly what they need to make that offense roll how it could. I love it. I love getting a little spicy here. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, as as, uh, many have heard there, there's rumors about him being on the the trade block. And I don't remember, I I think I saw a tweet earlier this morning about they're, they're, they're hoping for a second and third round pick, according to Jeremy Fowler, I think it looks like. So uh, second and third round pick, maybe it it involves a, a, a swapping of first round picks here or there somewhere. Um, what are your thoughts on bringing D Hop to Detroit? All right, first of all, let me let's get even spicier. Um, right now, Arizona's starting corners are Christian Matthew and Marco Wilson, both of them day three picks from twenty one or twenty two. Oh I, I, I I've, I've heard going. of those guys before. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're telling me that you couldn't offer a guy like Jeff Akuda? and they wouldn't be excited at that opportunity to bring in uh, the number three overall pick from a couple years back, and they might be willing to part with – like, I might call Arizona and just be like, listen, we've got seven defensive backs that, you know, all have a chance to make the roster. We don't know if we can afford a CUDA because he costs $10 million. You want to get rid of D-Hop. Let's start, let's start the conversation from there. Like I wouldn't even worry about draft picks at this point. I just start, start talking straight up. So would adding Hopkins be overkill? I don't think so. I think you can go a lot of different directions and Hopkins is, is such a talent that you would take the opportunity to get him. Now they say they want like a second and a third or something like him, which I think, which I think is, they're not going to get, but like what's, Jeff Akuda's value is Jeff Akuda valued at a third. If he is, then maybe you give him, you have to give up an, an, another pick to go in him. But if, if, if you're interested in Hopkins, I'm starting probably with Jeff Akuda and, and, and seeing if they're interested from there. And then Hopkins comes in, he's your ex and, and away you go with a top five offense, adding a talent. <laughs> that would, that would do wonders too. I think like Friday was the one bad day in free agency that I think Lions fans had losing DJ Chark. And then obviously we talked about the, the Nate Sudfeld over panic. Um, but I mean, okay. So one thing that we have to address here is um, the price, right? And not just the draft pick price. The, he, he's doing $19.45 million salary this year. Um, that is something that the Lions can, can currently fit. But then they'd have to also make some more room to to fit their their uh, the rookie class. It would it would be extremely tight at that point to be able to afford Hopkins and their rookie class as it is um, fourteen point nine million salary in twenty twenty four. So that has to be addressed. But Ryan, would it be worth it? I mean, throw a restructure here, throw a restructure there. There's still ways the lines can make cap room for this 
would you do it? You're, you're talking about one of the greatest wide receivers of all time. Ooh, DeAndre Hopkins. Absolutely. Like I, we, we, we've talked about this ad nauseum, or at least I have, because I love bringing up the fact that he just played with a laundry list of absolute garbage cans at quarterback in Houston and put up phenomenal numbers. Incredible. Right. Like DeAndre Hopkins is still that guy. And I don't want to say that I'm concerned or worried about Jameson Williams, but I will say that having DeAndre Hopkins as a security blanket would be, (laughs) I mean, that's a level of luxury that you can kind of laugh at, but um, man, I mean, that would, if the Lions go get DeAndre Hopkins, there, there are no questions about, Oh, are the Lions like, you know, are they, no, they're, yeah, they're, I mean, (laughs) like they're in, they're here. I feel like on paper, that is maybe one of the best trios of receivers of all time. DeAndre Hopkins, Amon Rice St. Brown, and Jameson Williams. And like you said, Jameson Williams still very much has to prove himself. But that is, that is, I mean, I don't think there's even a conversation. You, you have the best trio of wide receivers in the NFL today, just thinking about that. Um, but then, I mean, then the question becomes, too, like, you, you have Josh Reynolds, and I know he's only under contract for one more year, like, are you overdoing it? Are you, are you putting too many cooks in the kitchen? Are there, like, like we said before, there's only one football to go around. Is this, is this overkill? It very well could be like it. It would seem like that on paper, right? Like I, I think, I mean that, that point right there, Jeremy is essentially why you can look at DJ sharks contract that he got in Carolina and say, that's why he went to Carolina. Right. Like he he would not get the targets, he would not get the playing time that he he, he would have in, in Detroit that he's going to get in Carolina. So yeah, I mean like you'd have to figure out how to circle that square. But I mean, I feel like you you do that for a player like DeAndre Hopkins if if that is of your vocation. I mean, and I'm, I'm certainly not advocating for it, but if they did it, like well, I mean, my pants are off and we're 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 having we're having a whole different you know conversation about you know the Lions and contention and nfc not just north champions but like conference champions all right i think we're going to take a break there we're going to invest in some belts so that our pants stay on uh but we'll get when we come back from the <laughs> when we come back from the break more lions questions on the way here live on the spotify live app. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And we are back, closing up our Spotify Live session here. March 25th, uh, a week and a half into free agency. Draft just a month away. Uh, let's get back to our callers here. Uh, Deez is on the line. Deez, welcome to the show. Hi, can you all hear me? Yep. Great. Uh, well, first of all, I just love everything you guys do. And 
huge fan. I've been listening for a while and, uh, you know, just want to thank you all for everything um, you guys put out. It's amazing. Hey, appreciate that, man. Um, so my question is about um, defensive tackle and, and specifically about um, uh, just a question around like the role of the nose tackle um, in the modern NFL. And if it's, if the importance of that position is declining um, or if it's, you know, has the same importance as it was before. And then relatedly um, how uh, Aleem McNeil, um, I know the original vision was for him to be a nose tackle and it sounds like they're looking to move him to a three technique. So curious um, what people think about that transition and how it impacts uh, defensive tackle in the Great question, uh, Dees, because, yeah, I think I think there's definitely a perception out there that nose tackles and stopping the run is, is for old heads, and um, there's not necessarily as big of a place for it in today's NFL. But at the same time, if you can get one of those, like, twitchy nose tackles who can pass rush, too, that's like a unicorn. That's a, um, you know, a kind of guy that can, that can really change a, an entire game. So um, I'll throw it to you, Eric, first, like, how how important is nose tackle? I guess one basically to the entire NFL, and two maybe maybe the answer is different for the Detroit Lions. Yeah, I, I think it's still an important position because of the fact that defenses are still run in, in a variety of different ways, and there are going to be teams that run like pure two gapping schemes where a a, a zero is going to be an important position that they need. Uh, someone capable of being able to, to anchor and hold that zero technique down. So I don't think you can completely dismiss it, but at the same time, the NFL is evolving into a multi, you know, positional league where you have hybrid defenses, you have hybrid offenses and, and everything, you know, is becoming more along the lines of these players that are, are versatile enough to play multiple positions, like in Aline McNeil, who can play anywhere from the zero to probably the five, if we're being honest. And so adding guys that can play multiple positions just become more valuable. And so, but there's always going to be traditionalists that, that want a pure zero, right? Uh, but they have to work with what they're what's in front of them. And, and that's in colleges, because you're seeing more spread attacks in colleges, you're seeing defenses in college become more athletic and, and they're starting to move away from the guys that are more like more or less the pure zero. And so a lot of, there's a lot of tackles and defensive tackles in this class that are like zeros, but they also play the one, which is the the gap in between where they can, you know, operate in an attacking front as well. It's just like a, a, a gapping front. So a guy like Mozzie Smith, like he's a nose tackle. He's, he can be a zero or a one. He's probably better at the one because he can get upfield a little bit more. Uh, Ika from Baylor, he's not as athletic as I think we had originally thought. And so he's probably a guy that's going to be a little bit more a little bit better suited at, at the zero, even though most of his experience is at the one. So I think as a league, it's still an important position. Uh, but as offenses get more athletic, you need that athleticism on defense in, in order to counteract that. So with the lions, it's hard to tell exactly what type of defensive tackle they're looking to add because they have pushed a lean to the three. 
where he can play uh, in more of an attacking style, whereas Bugs is more of a one than a zero, right? And so it fits kind of this gap and half scheme that the Lions run, which is a, is, which is very attacking, but also has some elements of like holding your gaps as well, uh, which is why they can really go a few different ways. If they're looking to upgrade Bugs, then a guy like Mozzie Smith or Ika or Benton, it might make sense to add those guys. But at the same time, you lack that pure pass rusher, which is a guy, which is where adding a guy like Cansey could come into play because he has that get up the field ability. Um, Adewabare, the kid from Northwestern, like he's been a five technique, but he could easily be what Michael Brockers was playing at that four eye and the three and, and, and the five. And he can give them some flexibility to, you know, uh, adapt with, with, um, a lean as well. So he can shift along the defensive line as well. So my guess is they're going to be looking based on what they have. They're going to be looking for a defensive lineman who is adaptable and they're going to be looking for someone who is a run stuffer, but exactly what position or, or where he pegs in, what, you know, whether you call him a nose tackle or a defensive lineman, I think a lot of that is going to be predicated on the style of defensive lineman they're yeah, I mean, you you kind of covered everything there. Um, the only thing I would want to add is like it's it's important to remember how flexible the Lions are with that defensive front because I feel like they had a very different idea of what they wanted to do in the first season than than what they did in the second season. Um, and and they they straight up said it like maybe this attacking front wasn't fitting who they had or or, or what they wanted to do. They changed it in the second season and and they came into to training camp like we don't have enough big guys so let's go get bugs let's go. Um, you know, continue to add girth. And so they're, they're constantly flexible in what they want to do. And I think where Levi is um, in all of this also probably plays a factor. Um, it's a big unknown, but I think most people are just accepting the fact that he's probably not going to be around this year. But I don't know. Uh, do you have anything else to add, Ryan? Because I feel like Phil Garrick had a, had a pretty thorough good answer there. Yeah, I, the, the only thing that I want to um, accentuate is I think – for the lions while they have that flexibility, I think they want to use Aleem's athleticism at the three. So that's why I think if I had a hunch that they want to get a guy who can play one or zero uh, behind bugs as, uh, as, as Eric mentioned. Fair enough. All right. Uh, thanks for the question. Deans. appreciate you. Thank you. Uh, let's yeah, no problem at all. Uh, let's move on to Antonio. Antonio, welcome to the show, man. Yep, you're good. Okay, cool. Thanks for having me on, guys. Well, that guy just kind of sure. stole my question in a way. I was going to talk about uh, the nose tackle spot. Um, so let me just uh, rephrase what I was going to say and say it like this. Um, I mean, I, 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 for a while there, I thought that we needed a guy uh, like a Snacks Harrison in the middle of our lineup because I mean, you guys remember when you know we brought Snacks in. And he made our defense a whole lot better. I, I, and when he was negotiating about his contract afterwards and called himself the straw that stirred the drink, I mean, to, you know, the previous guy's question, I mean, I still think the nose tackle position is important. And ever since Campbell said we need more beef, it's kind of like, to me, that's kind of like what we've needed. So and I think the one guy we really have to come away from this draft with is Mozzie Smith or someone like him. I mean, I don't want to sound like a homer, but if he played for TCU or Ohio State, I think I'd still want him. 
I mean, I think he's just the one missing piece that would make your linebackers better, that make your pass rushers <laughs> pass rush better. And then, of course, DBs would play better with a better pass. I just think that's the one missing thing. So regardless of what else we do in the draft, even if we take Jalen Carter in the first round, which I don't mind taking, I think that would just make – I would complete our defensive line. So I, I, so I guess my uh, question is, like, what, you know, what your th- continued thoughts on someone like Mozzie Smith? And then, you know, what do you guys think about um, – the fact that our first round picks might not even start like now that we have a ton of guys that we signed at, you know, important spots, even if we drafted a cornerback, they wouldn't necessarily start right away. They might not even start the first year. So like, how do you maximize, what are you thinking about maximizing that snap count uh, as far as like getting players that will, you know, that will actually start this year in the first round? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, let, let's start there because I think we we talked a little bit about that conversation um, beforehand, but I think it's important to kind of underline, you know, where this team's preferences are and, and the balance of competing now versus making sure that competitive window stays open. Um, so I don't think you ever really want to, and I don't think this regime would ever sacrifice talent for someone that can contribute right away. I don't think that's a worthwhile trade-off for the team, despite how aggressive they're being in free agency. Um, but at the same time, yeah, like you, you do want to fill holes. And to, to bring it back to the defensive tackle discussion, um, I, I do think this team likes Isaiah Bugs a lot more than, than other people do. I know they didn't give him a huge contract, but they did sign him to a two-year deal instead of a one-year deal, and I think that's significant. Um, but if Isaiah Bugs gets injured – what <laughs> like Benito Jones? Are we are we hooking our our hopes to Benito Jones to fill the middle of that defensive line? So I'm with you. Like there needs to be a a an, another option there, and whether it's a a free agent that they pick up or a, a young developmental defensive tackle, nose tackle, hybrid, whatever you want to call it, I think there's definitely a need there. I think. What do you think? Uh, but, Go ahead. I, I was uh, I was just going to add. Like I, I think with Mozzie you're getting a guy who can has the size to be an anchor against the run gives you a little bit of pass rush, but he's also a guy that is only going to be like a part-time player. Um, I don't think he's a guy who you're going to leave on the field the way that you left um, a lean or, or, or bugs on the field last year, like lean and bugs last year were, were operating at like, 60, 70% of snaps, which is like really way too high for guys their size. You want that number to be lower, which is why I think we're looking at defensive line depth, right? And, and adding a guy like Mozzie would allow them that depth and allow them to be able to rotate guys a little bit more, but he's not going to be a guy who's going to be on the field, like all three downs. Like he's, he's going to be rotated in and out. Now he's also one of the better nose tackles in this class and so there's a chance that he moves up boards a little bit faster than like what the lines you know may be able to adjust to like he might not be there for their second round pick and, and if he's not um i think Ika and then uh keanu benton from wisconsin are, are, are your next best best options benton represents a lot of uh what i think they're looking for and stylistically i think he matches a little bit better and so um, Ken, if I was looking at a defensive tackle outside of like the first round, I would start looking at uh, Keanu Benton if you are in the nose tackle market. All right. 
unless you got something to Ryan, I think I think we can close the discussion there. Are you good? We good. Okay. I uh, appreciate the question, Antonio. Uh, let's move the train forward here. Uh, thank you for waiting so much, Jacob. Welcome to the show, Jacob. First of all, I think you all are underestimating high school high jump track star Eric Schlitt's ability to hit the trampolines. <laughs> so that's a real issue. Um, a couple of weeks ago, there was a question about kind of like the Lions players and interviews and like the passion and hard work that we know that they love. And I know we're just hearing interview clips, but Nolan Smith from Georgia is, is one that really stuck out to me when I did hear some clips in terms of that passion. So I'd love your thoughts on him specifically, but then more broadly that edge linebacker hybrid position. I think Eric and Jeremy were writing about that a lot last training camp. I think even Anthony Pittman was playing there some, um, so do you think that that position is still a part yeah. of the defense and, and is James Houston enough there? Or do you think the Lions need help for more of a speed rush type edge player? It's a good question because they did, they did lose one of those guys in, in Austin Bryant, um, but they were, they did manage to, I mean, the edge is, is I think maybe a fascinating position to talk about here because they managed to keep two guys, really three guys, if you want to include Kaminsky in that conversation, I know he's, uh, more of a hybrid defensive tackle and not necessarily the edge linebacker guy you're talking about, but they keep Charles Harris. They keep Romeo Quara. Julian O'Quara is probably in the conversation there too, for that kind of edge linebacker guy. But, um, you know, it, it feels like the lines have a lot of short-term solutions at edge, but maybe not that many long-term solutions. So um, Ryan, do, uh, let, let's, let's start to you first. Like, do you think edge is, is still a particularly neat, uh, maybe a long-term need that this team could address fairly early and specifically with that, that kind of edge role that can also drop back into coverage every now and then. Yeah. I, I, th- I think that's a, a really interesting discussion for this defense, right? Cause I think we are so <clears throat> caught up in, you know, the long-term stability of places like cornerback and, you know, whether or not the Lions value linebackers a position, we just spent so much time ad nauseum talking about the interior of the defensive line, but <clears throat> that, that, pure pass rusher specialist role that James Houston started in last year. But I think we, we should, we should acknowledge, right. That like Houston's snap count, you know, changed drastically by the end of the season, right? Like he, he was playing more than just in pass uh, pass rushing situations, which is, you know, a a good sign for him, uh, especially for a guy who, you know, was playing with his hair on fire um, ever since, ever since Thanksgiving. So yeah, I mean, can, can the lions, can the Lions beef that position up? Can they, can they include more, you know, guys, because I, I don't think, I don't think Julian O'Quara is that like twitchy pass rusher guy, right. Just like a little bit bigger, um, you know, Austin Bryant kind of, kind of fit that mold too. I, I think when you think about this, right. Like you think about like your Von Miller types, right. And I think that's where a lot of people are at with, with Nolan from Georgia is that they, they, they see maybe that potential just because, you know, he, you know, lights the combine on fire, um, you know, and, and, and I think, you know, if, if the Lions want to, I, I think it'll be really interesting, really telling if they were to spend a first round pick on that position. I, I think that would have me all, almost kind of look at their defense a little bit differently and say like, oh man, you know, I, I, I feel like, like you said, Jeremy, they, they have some guys at that position. James Houston stands out to me the most, obviously, but if they continue to value that position, which I mean, how can you not, right? Getting after the quarterback is football 101 in today's NFL. 
um, and especially, you know, getting after him off the edge. It, it wouldn't surprise me if, if they covet and if they value a player um, like Nolan Smith from Georgia. Let me, let me throw it to, to you, Eric, and maybe give us a little background on, on Nolan as a player and maybe as his fit um, in the Lions roster as it, as it currently stands. Yeah, I think Ryan nailed it in the fact that it would if, if they drafted a guy like Nolan, it would change their entire defensive front, right? It would change how we look at how that front works. And the thing is, is we've actually seen what the defense might turn into in uh, in week 17 when they played the Bears. Uh, right now, the Lions front is a, a 4-2 with, with uh, in, in a base with the nickel set behind it in the secondary. And that 4-2 base... You can stand up the open end, which is uh, operated by uh, Hutchinson right now. And then you have a closed end, which takes on the tight end, which is right now James Houston. I'm sorry, not you. It's uh, Josh Paschal and, and John Kaminsky. Right now, Houston's role is situational, which means when they want to be able to operate with five on the defensive line instead of just four, then they bring Houston on and they use him as a as a uh, they stack him behind the closed end. So they would they would line up Houston next to Kaminsky. This is designed for a couple of things. One. Pass rushing situations allows uh, Houston to get a free edge because the the closed end can take that guy the edge on, and then at the same time it might put Houston into a situation where he's rushing against maybe uh, tight ends trying to block him instead of a, a, a offensive tackle. So right now that's a situational role. Uh, it's also used against teams that are run option teams, right? Because you get it basically operating as like a five, two because Houston can operate as a pass rusher. But as you guys pointed out, he got more snaps later in the year because of, he was able to play some run defense. And so that element of his game where he's uh, able to be a run defender, plus a pass rusher is really what allowed them to operate for shift between four twos and five, two t- type fronts. If you add a guy like um, uh, like uh, Smith, he is exactly what you have in Houston, except a little bit faster. He's basically the same size as as Houston. He's I think he's like five pounds lighter, but he runs like the wind. He's a good run stuffer. He's an excellent pass rusher. He has good discipline. He can set the edge. He can do all the things that that Houston can do. But if you take him in the first round, it almost points to the fact that you're shifting more towards those five, two looks, which are more situational now and not part of the base, because you're not going to take a guy in the first round. That's going to be just a situational rusher, especially if, if that situational rusher puts James Houston, even into a smaller role, like there's no need to stack both Smith and Houston at a spot that's situational, unless you're changing to a five, two. So if you're switching to this, like five, two front, then you're looking at a guy like Smith would make a ton of sense because then you can have Hutchinson on one side standing up Smith and Houston on the other Houston can operate between both sides. It gives you more pass rushing range. It gives you still gives you run stopping ability, but it does change completely what happens on the interior. And so now you have to shift away from what you've been doing with your whole closed end nose tackle three technique type of thing. And you're going to be shifting to guys that are more, gap sound and guys that are going to be more taking on blocks and allowing the free rusher. So it does change the front, but 
we have seen them operate in that. The question is, is this going to be a situational uh, pass rushing or pass rushing set moving forward, or is it become going to become more of a base? And that's, I think, the deciding factor. Uh, if they if they take Smith, expect a, expect a shift. If not, Houston is very serviceable in the role. And, and uh, like Jacob said, you do have a couple of guys behind him, like uh, Aquara. And then it, as uh, Jacob pointed out, it was even something we saw from Pittman, the ability to play in that role as well. So they can stick those three guys work. If it's situational, if you want to expand it, make it part of your base, Smith could uh, be in. the. And the one thing this regime has really taught us. And I, I mentioned it just a minute ago is, they're willing to change things around to match who they have. So I don't think they would necessarily shy away from a guy like Nolan Smith. It, it would like you, like you just kind of painted perfectly. It's like, it has a domino effect of changing a lot of things. Um, but that's, that's also a lot of talented pass rushers and, and defensive linemen on the field all at once. And that's not a bad thing. Um, all right, Jacob, appreciate the question, man. All right, let's close out our show here uh, with uh, Nathan S. Thank you so much for waiting all show, Nathan. Appreciate you. Thanks, guys. Good to be back. Love what you guys do. Um, So I was going to have a would you rather take Jalen Carter uh, at two or trade a day two pick for Ed Oliver, but you have to extend him. But since we already touched on D-tackle, uh, who is one player you think in this draft is absolutely a Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes guy? Ooh, okay. So let's let's go back to uh, the NFL Combine a couple weeks ago. You know, he said Dan Campbell said there's you know four or five guys out of twenty something that he's interviewed that are that are his dudes. Who is that guy in this draft class? For you, I'll, I'll I'll kick it back to Eric first. Put you on the spot first, Devin Witherspoon. Like with a <laughs> bullet, Devin Witherspoon is that guy. Like there's a couple others that like, I think are in that range, like that he could have been talking about because we don't know if they necessarily met with Witherspoon, but my goodness, Witherspoon has everything uh, that they want from an attitude perspective uh, in this class. He hits you. He wants you to know that he hit you. He's got some, he's, he, he's, he's got a lot of the swagger that Gardner Johnson does. He just doesn't have the, I'm going to annoy you to the point where you're going to put, want to punch me in the face type of attitude. You know what I mean? Like he's not, he's not that much of an agitator like Gardner Johnson is, but he's a, I'm going to hit you and you're going to know it. And I'm going to let you know it type of guy. And that is, uh, that fits exactly what they're looking for. All right, Ryan. Uh, <laughs> I feel like we just gave Eric an opportunity to talk more about his favorite prospect in the draft, which is fine. But uh, but let, I, I want to hear I want to hear a, a different name here, Ryan. Who's who's someone you think has that kind of gritty attitude? Oh man, I don't know. I th- I, th- I think that's one of the biggest. <clears throat> and I'm not saying this like in a in a um, I'm not saying this in a bad sense, for lack of a better word. But like I think the term like Dan Campbell guy has been thrown around so much. Um, but I, with good reason, right? Like, you know, the, the comments from the combine um, withstanding, <clears throat> it's kind of tough for me to, to single out a, a certain guy. Uh, I'll just be honest. I, I think Devin Witherspoon is a great answer, um, but I, I'm, I'm fascinated to, to figure out who those guys are. I, I don't have one. I don't have one. Do you have one, Jeremy? 
I mean, there there's some names that have been thrown up before, and like I, I think Sam Laporta out of Iowa, the tight end, has, has been described that way at times. Uh, I think you sure, could, I think yeah. you could even maybe describe Darnell Washington to stick with tight ends, but I know I know Lions fans don't want to hear more tight ends. They don't probably don't want to hear quarterbacks. Um, Keanu well, Benton, Keanu Benton is a name that I see thrown around a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, it, it feels like if you want to talk about these gritty guys, you're, you're mostly talking about either lineman or, or someone on defense. So, you know, obviously Witherspoon fits there. Man, I don't know. It's also because of that sort of stuff from the outside is really hard to, to I mean, there, there are guys that are painted that way by the media and, and coaches will say this about that guy, but you, you almost have to be in that room too. Like that, that's what Dan Campbell and Aaron Glenn talk about. Like you can tell in the first five minutes what kind of guy you have, but we don't really have that opportunity because – all we get is like combine interviews, which are very stuffy and not the same as like being in the same room and having film in front of you, you know, that, that, that's that inside the den episode, right? Like, I, I think, yeah, I think, right. I think yeah. you get an understanding of why the lions were so in on Jameson Williams. Cause they're like, Oh, this dude plays gunner. Like, you know what? That's a right. Dan Campbell guy for, for a skill position yeah. player to, to be doing that at the college level for a team like Alabama. Um, yeah. So like, right. you, like you said, primarily right. it kind of reverts back to like, those gritty guys are like the linemen, trench dudes. So, um, but yeah, but you can completely be surprised and, and thrown off um, when they're like, oh yeah, Jameson Williams. And it's like, oh, why? It's like, oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. Right. Eric, why don't you give us a trench dude to, to, to send us out here? I'm going to put you on the spot again. <laughs> Sorry, I was trying or to. Or not. Participate in the chat there for a second. Um, the trench guy. Oh. Um, a gritty trench guy, either side of the ball. Steve Avila, yeah, buddy. Oh, another one of your favorites. He that likes, guy, that guy fills out a helmet. I love it. Yeah, and and <laughs> and, and he will. He likes to he likes to put people on the ground too. Um, he's he's a, he's a gritty guy that that makes a lot of sense. The chat was saying a guy that I liked, um, which is not a trench guy, but. Um, Jamie Robinson is another guy that they interviewed at the combine who looks kind of like mm-hmm. a Gardner Johnson clone in a lot of ways. Um, he's not as, he's not as big, but he's, he's a guy who again is gonna, he's going to hit you and he's going to make you, he's going to let you know that he hit you. And so um, Avila Robinson Witherspoon, all those guys, uh, they, they scream to me that they would be nice. Bits. All right. Keep an eye on those guys when the draft comes here. Just a month away now. Finally, actually appropriate to talk about the draft, in my opinion. Um, but appreciate the question, Nathan. Appreciate the questions from all of you guys here that joined us here on the Spotify Live uh, app, 9 a.m. Eastern, Saturday mornings. If you want to join us next week, just make sure you're following at Pride of Detroit on the app. Uh, but until next time, uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you to Ryan and Eric for helping me answer these questions. It's chaos. Be kind.